Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the history of presidential debates. So grab your moderator. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello. <laughs> oh. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. What up? What well, what <laughs> up? The youth? <laughs> the the youth from the 90s. What up? Oh my what god, up? what up? <laughs> that is so horrific that you said that. <laughs> we sound like we're trying to relate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I am in my 30s. <laughs> oh my god. Are you okay? Blink twice if I need to come get you. <laughs> oh my god. This coffee has not kicked in yet. I am not the present. The not kicked in. I am not present That's okay. in my body. That is okay. I am present in my body. Good. I will carry us through I love. this I episode love. until the coffee kicks in for you in about six minutes. It's going to be great. That's approximately how long it will take. <laughs> I'm so excited. You guys, today, you're not even going to guess why we're talking about this topic. Completely it's random. so random. <laughs> so random. I was just like, I was knitting in bed the other day, and I was like, what can we possibly talk about on Let's Get Civical? Hmm. Huh. Uh, you know, what about debates? So random. Yeah. So random. Not in the news and I at all. Arden. Completely yeah, obscure I topic. I was like, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard of a debate? Yep. And she was like, what? Lizzie. Ugh, what I mean, no. <laughs> no. That's a complete fabrication because I do think it was you who suggested to do this episode. <laughs> but in my narrative, not only do I knit... I also suggested to do the presidential debates, both of which is false. <laughs> Your narrative is way more interesting than the actual narrative, which is like, hey, should we talk about this? This seems important. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And so here we are. <laughs> but we, we're, we're talking about, like, the history, yes. the history the her- of presidential debates. Exactly. A long history there is. They go back a while, y'all. They go back a while. It's hard because Um, I don't have a short-term memory anymore. Like, I don't remember what happened to me two days ago. But we're going to go back to ye old 1800s. Yes, we are. Where it all began. It all began way back in 18 Hamanisha. And I Mm -hmm. will say for something that we, like, we 
like the debate cycle that we live in now seems fairly regular to us. Like there are three presidential debates and there's one vice presidential debate and there's a foreign policy debate and there's a ba da ba da ba da a town hall. There's a town hall. Like there's all these different formats. There there it has not always been like that and is actually that that like whole system is very very recent compared to like the actual history of electing US presidents. I love that. Right? So, let's start at the very earliest of the debates, which was yes. we know it, we love it, the the Lincoln Douglas debates. I mean, I mean, I mean, Abe, Abe started it all. Hot. Started it all. So, 1856. This is when this happened, and this little, these little nuggets are coming from PBS. Actually, oh. it was a very helpful student handout. <laughs> PBS gets it. PBS is an ally. They understand that we live yep. for the student handout. I love the student handout because it's like. Here's the entire history. It's in a PDF of, on a one sheet. It is a single page. It's all mm. you need to know. I love it. Little mm, sprinklings mm, mm. of information. Yum, yum, yum. Yep. So they say, quote, the tradition of American election debates is often traced to the Illinois Senate race of 1856 when three, when seven three-hour debates between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen A. Douglas were held in outdoor venues in small towns like Freeport and Galesburg. Well, I mean, the heartbeat of this nation, Freeport and Galesburg. Sure. For sure. For but sure. also, seven three-hour debates? It's so long. Outside. That is, that is a lot. Outside, outdoors. In, in the elements. Yes. What if it rained? A gamble. A, a gamble. gamble. A gamble. Yes. To try to book seven three-hour slots in Freeport or Galesburg? But could you imagine, like, seven three-hour oratorical debates between, like, Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison? Like, that sounds... A, <laughs> they can't even get a second one off the ground. A, I would watch that shit all day. Sure. B, could you imagine... Could you imagine? That would be so good. Absolutely not. I, we can, I, I can't imagine seven anything these no. days. Seven three-hour debates out in the elements between the two of them. Oh my god! Fuck flies. It would be everything. <laughs> it would be. It would be the seven plagues. A plague It'd be per deer. debate. It would be <laughs> livestock. Oh, yes. Like what? <laughs> also, like, like was it in the town square or like? Like, could, are people just walking by to, like, get their groceries and, and Abe and Steven are, are, like, up on a platform debating and they're just <laughs> like, oh, what have I stumbled into? Yeah. It's like me in Prospect Park on a Sunday. It's like, is this a farmer's market? Like, <laughs> Or like me walking through Washington oh Square Park. I told you about this. I was wash- walking through Washington Square Park-, Park on a Saturday night and there was just a Chucky doll on oh my God. a four-wheeler that somebody was wheeling around the fountain in Washington Square Correct. Park. And I was like, I'm gonna cry. Because it came out yeah. of nowhere. And I was like, what is this? What is happening? What is happening? I was literally in Prospect Park two days ago with a, with a girlfriend of mine. We were having a little rosé in the park. It was evening. And we're talking, 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 just catching up. And she was like, oh my God, you have to look behind you. I look behind me and I see two gentlemen on stilts, just casually walking to some location, I guess, to do something. But it was like they were in 
They weren't like in stilty mode. They were just like, you know, just like like walking along. And I was just like, this is the weirdest city in the world. It's so weird. It's so weird. And I just want, and then they kind of stopped for a minute and they were chatting to somebody, but like you can't just stand still on stilts. You always have to kind of be moving or else you're going to fall, fall over. And so they're just kind of like, you like, like wobbling around on their stilts. And I was, I was like, this is, this is, so imagine, imagine. Abraham Lincoln and Stephen A. Douglas are are doing their three hour debate, and and two dudes on stilts are just like going to their event. I have Anything's s- possible. I have so many questions about the stilts, which is mainly how do you get down from them when you're in the park? I have so Couldn't many tell questions. You. All that to say, anything can happen when you are outdoors. It's true. You could stumble upon a Lincoln Douglas debate in your hometown. God willing. God willing. God willing. <laughs> So these oratorical contests can, required the two candidates to speak at great length. The first candidate spoke for one hour. What? what? Followed by a one and one half hour rebuttal. And then a half hour closing by the opening speaker. So it would be like Lincoln for an hour, Douglas for an hour and a half, Lincoln for a half. The central issue of these debates was slavery in the United States. Great. Well, let's course. talk. Let's let's talk let's about the get issue. into the nitty gritty. Yeah. yeah. But like what of what I I the 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 concept that people back then could like hold their attention on this for so sure. long, I can't. I need a 90 minute show at a 7 p.m. curtain. I, there Absolutely. Is, there is no. <gasps> the sweetest nectar ever drunk is a 7 p.m. <sighs> 90 minute no intermission oh. curtain. Yes. Oh, God, I miss those days. But yeah, so the idea that people would watch a three-hour debate is just with no intermission. Well, also, but it's like, what else are they doing? It's true. They're probably all sitting there drunk, too. I would be. Well, yeah, with your can of rosé. Absolutely. 1850-whatever. Of course. They had aluminum (laughs) in them. Like, yes, Abe! (laughs) (laughs) You tell him! You tell him. Um, excuse me, his hour is not up. <laughs> reclaim your time, Abe. Reclaim, reclaim your, your time. I want equal time. Like, excuse Abe, me, it's been I'm speaking. Fifty-five minutes. Oh my god. So those were that was like the first debate debate or what's often referred to as the first debate. It was a Senate debate 1856. Then in 1948 the first ever national broadcast of a Republican presidential debate and in fact of any such debate was held on May 17th 1948 in Portland, Oregon at a radio studio. Okay. This is all coming from the New Yorker uh in an from an article by Jeffrey Frank. Quote, it was watched by about 50 reporters carried on hundreds of stations and heard by a nationwide audience estimated at 40 million. Okay. Yeah. Broadcast. Broadcast yourself. The format of the radio debate was more like a high school debate than a contemporary political <laughs> one. Way to bring it down. Okay, Way drag to bring them. it down. <laughs> drag them. <laughs> this feels like high school. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> How insulting. The candidates were given a single question in advance. In the spirit of the growing Red Scare, it was, quote, shall the Communist Party of the United States be outlawed? Close quote. The question on everybody's <laughs> mind. It penetrates the United States psyche. psyche. Will, shall, shall the Communist Party of the United States be outlawed? Yep. You tell me. You tell me. What you t- have 40 minutes. <laughs> 
<laughs> what is your argument? So each man delivered a like a, a canned 20-minute speech on the topic that they wrote beforehand because they had the question, with eight and a half minutes reserved for rebuttals. Still from Jeffrey Frank, quote, Stassen, who was one of the... So it was uh, Stassen and Dewey, who are the two who are debating. Stassen took the affirmative, arguing that the domestic party was, quote, directed by the rulers of the foreign power, close quote, in the Kremlin. Dewey, who was a former crime-busting Manhattan district attorney, just, you know, slinging. Pew, pew! Come on! The mob is just starting. Let's go! Let's go! He took the other side, appealing to the Bill of Rights, saying, quote, We know that if we always keep every idea that's bad out in the open, we will lick it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will lick it? We will lick you it? You couldn't have come up. You had this in advance, and we came up with, we will lick it? <laughs> Dewey. Dewey. I don't know. Who wrote this for you? I would, I would come up with something a little more jazzy. A little more jazzy. It's not about licking. Okay, this is a quote from Jeffrey Frank, and I just love his the use of his word here. By modern standards, the hour was unrelievedly tedious. Sure. Of course it of is. Of course it was. Well, it's, it's you know, almost an entire hour just with two men talking about the Red Scare. Yeah. And I bet you neither of them had any surprising ideas or things to say. I mean, it's a it's a argument that we've heard time and time again. It's the Bill of Rights. It's your right to free speech to have a political right. party. Yeah, but the commies, the commies, the commies are gonna destroy the commies. Ah. Dewey was judged to have won the debate. He went on to win the Oregon primary. Love, congrats to do what? Did you not hear what I just did? Oh, because you said Oregon correctly? Yes, I need positive affirmation. Oh, my God. We cannot do that. Also, how is it? How is it that the state of Oregon comes up so often in these episodes? I don't know. Like, shout out to Oregon for just being a a subtle but but constant presence in this podcast and in these topics. How many times have we ever talked about the state of Montana? Zero. Literally none. None. Literally none. And that's not to say we don't love you, Montana, because you know we do. But we haven't yet talked much no. about, about you. But Oregon, of all places, just all the times beep bopping up. Yep. But I am proud of you. I'm going to say a blanket statement of any time you say it right, I am utterly proud. Thank you so much. Because we've worked so hard. <laughs> I've really, I've had to, to get to make, this right. I, like I said, I am making small steps to make positive changes in my life. And this is one <laughs> of them. So thank you very Okay, okay, whatever. Look, I am here to affirm. I am here to affirm. I'm here to support. Absolutely. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So yeah, so Dew was thought to have won the debate. He went on to win the Oregon primary. Did you just call him Dew? Dewey. You said, I'm almost certain you said, (laughs) so Dew, our friend Dew, went on to win the debate. And I was like, this is insane. We're not going to call him Dew as though we are friends and we've got a nickname. Hey, Dew. (laughs) Dew. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So. (laughs) Do it. Dewey ended up third on the ballot at the convention that summer in Philadelphia, clearly not winning the nomination. Okay, love that. Let's talk about the first televised presidential debate because that's what that is the dark we know well yep. nowadays. So this is coming from once again PBS. Love them. So 
Quote, the first televised presidential debates took place in the 1960 election between John F. Kennedy and Dick Nixon. Massachusetts Senator John F. Kennedy was a Democrat and Vice President Richard M. Nixon was a Republican. We love. Yep. Four debates were televised nationally. The first debates ever held between presidential candidates. Those who heard the debate on radio thought Nixon was the winner, while those who watched on television chose Kennedy conclusively. Okay, so they're like, Kennedy's hot. Yeah, he, like, I think he wore makeup. He was, like... Sure. He just had a lot of, like... I mean, Was this it's the Kennedy. one where Nixon it's was strong. sweating? This is the one where Nixon was sweating. So, of course, he, like, looked like he was under stress. And right. Kennedy was, like, the handsome devil that he was. He was Kennedy. Mm-hmm. He was Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. Major topics were, you guessed it, the Cold War and communism abroad. So, a.k.a. the USSR, China, Cuba, nothing's changed. And two tiny islands off of Taiwan emerged as a pivotal subject of the debates. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So, they're just like, let's talk about a lot of foreign policy. Foreign policy. And, like, you know, like, these two tiny islands, my, my guess on that is that they were probably, like, you know, pivotal like strategically important points that they wanted to control, have a say in, whatever. Yeah. To yeah. like manage the Cold War and the aforementioned communism abroad. The aforementioned mm. communism mm-hmm. abroad. Abroad. I gave you this one because it's like I had no idea about it and I feel like you'll have fun with it. I'm very excited. Here we mm-hmm. go, you guys. Now let's talk about the first debate with women, which we're calling the real first debate Mm -hmm. on television. So all of this is coming from senate.gov. Yeah. Gosh, we love them. Almost as much as the House Archives. Almost. So almost, not quite, but very close. A very close second. Yeah. So, quote, the first actual televised debate occurred four years earlier when Democratic candidate Adlai Stevenson challenged incumbent Republican President Dwight D. Eisenhower. But these two men did not appear in the debate. Oh, that's so weird. What? Yes, no. It's, it's, I'm going, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. It's entirely but I'm just like, random. It's okay. entirely random. Yeah. Okay. They, okay. You, I build us up to say they didn't show up. Here yeah. we go. Instead, on November 4th, 1956, two surrogates debated the issues on network television. For the Democrats, former First Lady and party icon, Eleanor Roosevelt, and for the Republicans, the senior senator from Maine, Margaret Chase Smith. Okay, this is so crazy random. It's so random. They were just like, you, you and you. Yeah, women. (laughs) Go. So the first, the actual first televised presidential debate featured two women. Let's just Mm -hmm. let that sink in. This is crazy. Yeah. The forum for the debate was the CBS program Face the Nation, then in its second season, and was the first time a woman appeared on the program. Better late than flipping never. <laughs> after after an CBS. entire season, they never thought to be like, let's, where are the women? And meanwhile, there's like women serving in the government. Yeah. We love that. Yep. Smith insisted on a two-minute closing statement, and CBS reluctantly agreed. This is coming from Senate.gov. Yep. Like, I love when this shit is, like, opinionated. I, I love when it's, like, the official word from the from our federal government is, like, 
so yes exactly you said it so opinionated it's so yeah cbs was reluctant to give this woman a two-minute closing statement yep smith then carefully calculated choices in wardrobe and hairstyle to provide a contrast to the more grandmotherly roosevelt okay get out of here yep she also considered demeanor she had to be forceful but polite knowledgeable yet demure Quote, I would answer the questions as briefly as possible, Smith decided, and in a, quote, even-pitched tone. I mean, this is literally what's crazy is that, like, this is how we prep for debates now. This is, is Hillary. Like, what you're, this is Hillary. It's like, what are you wearing? How are you coming yep. across? I mean, it's also Kamala as well. Like, yep. you know, how, like, it, is she going to come across as, like, being you know, all of these super negative things. Like a confrontational, and like, not... difficult female. Right. Yeah. right, yeah. Which is not something we ever, I mean, other than Trump in the last debate, because he was being Trump. Like, yep. we never consider what the man's tone is when he's debating another man. But if a woman is debating a man, it is all about her tone. Yep. It's all about the love tone. It. But anyway, this is not about this. This is about then. Yep. The event took place two days before the election. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. And focused almost entirely on issues of foreign policy. Big, big issues in this, like, I mean, mean, it still is a big issue, but, like, you know. I mean, we had just done a world war. It's not surprising to me that foreign policy was on the mind. Yes, and still, like, and and escalating because this was four years before the Kennedy-Nixon debate where... They talked about the Cold War and communism, you know, like it was really it's so like foreign policy is definitely like on our minds right now, but not to the extent that this was at all. But but again, it's like you're just coming out of two world wars. Yeah. Like back to back nearly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm just like, what else are you going to talk about? Like fracking? Like this is. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Like there's nothing else to to talk about. It's like to me, it's like. For the next one, maybe two presidential runs, coronavirus response is going to be yes talked about, you know, yes. and how the economy re- yes. rebuilt or didn't rebuild. Who's been left behind? Because it's just who's like, making too, like who's correct be- taking advantage of the situation. How many people have died? What was this response? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. just like well, that's just what we we're going to talk about for yep. the next. 10 years. Yep. As planned, Smith remained poised and taciturn, a strategy that allowed the more talkative Roosevelt to dominate until the closing statements. Then, Smith offered a forceful, concise argument that touched on many key issues. Quote, what was surprising about the final statement was my abrupt change in delivery, Smith recalled. It was not the soft, restrained, measured delivery of the debate. Rather, it was a biting staccato. This change in demeanor unnerved and angered Eleanor Roosevelt, who refused to shake hands after the debate. <laughs> Eleanor, you gotta shake the you hand. Gotta shake what hands. are you talking about? You like, gotta shake hands. You got like you know, unless there's you know a, a communicable disease that's you know a global correct. pandemic. You don't shake hands. You agree after. upon beforehand. You're not yeah. gonna shake the hand. That's fine. But you gotta shake the hand after yep. the debate if there's not a global pandemic. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. Unless, they, unless she, like, insulted your family or your face. Like, yep. you gotta shake yep. the hand. Do you say your like, family just, or your face? Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> if, if somebody insults my family or tells me I'm, like, ugly, yep. I'm not gonna shake your hand. Everything no. else, I'm like, uh, 
fine. Like, yep. I will do, you have to do the thing. Yep. So yep. quite obviously, public reaction was mixed about who won that debate. This yep. whole debate is crazy it's to crazy. Me, the fact that this happened. I'm just like, wh- how, did, how did this possibly come about? And what cowards are these men who are like, we're the ones running, but let's send in the women. Let's send in the women. I'm just like, also women who are not a part of the campaign. No. Like, they're just a part of the party. Yes. It's like, it's literally like if if Ted Cruz... And and let me think of a and Diane Feinstein debated for Trump and Biden. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And it's like what? Yeah, you know, it's just random. I mean, they're both women, so I guess Ted Cruz is a bad exist. You know, Susan Collins. Yeah, and Diane, you know, it's like wh- wh- it's yeah, sure. I'm Actually, assuming you guys. It's it's literally Susan Collins because she was from Maine, right? And the 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 yeah. um, Smith, she was from Maine. It's Susan Collins and Michelle Obama is like the direct right. comparison. Sure. But even Michelle Obama kind of makes sense because Joe was Obama's vice president. You know, yeah. so at least there's like a little bit more there's, of a connection than like yeah. Eleanor Roosevelt and and Margaret Chase Smith from Maine. Like n- <laughs> neither of them have like a connection to. Yeah. An obvious connection to Dwight D. Eisenhower and who was... Adelaide Stevenson. Adelaide Stevenson. Yep. Crazy. 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 We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Hey, hey, it's Lana Young. And if you're looking for a simple and creative form of activism, check out On the Line, the latest event by Novel Songs. We bring together writing and art through live and social media experiences. I, along with my co-creators Michelle Toth and Segnon, find compelling pieces of writing and invite genre-spanning artists to create new music and art inspired by the themes of that writing. Our latest inspiration is Segnon's prose about his loving yet complicated relationship with America. Responding to the moment, we've turned our attention to getting out the vote. With all that's at stake this election, we've named the event On the Line and are making an art-inspired call to action to make a plan and to vote. Check us out on Instagram at novel underscore songs and Facebook at novel songs and join our movement with your own voice and creativity and share what's on the line for you this election. Your vote matters. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So after, so now we enter a period of like real transition in debate life. So we're going to talk about that and then we'll talk about some like, some other debates, some like interesting standout moments. So after the Kennedy, this is coming from the Commission on Presidential Debates and also from an article in Yahoo News by Will Hron. R-A-H-N, Ron. So the Commission for Presidential Debates says, quote, after the Kennedy-Nixon debates in 1960, there were no such debates in 1964, 1968, and 1972. There were debates in 76, 80, and 84, but they were hastily arranged after negotiations between the candidates that left many uncertain whether there would be any debates at all. And I feel like we're revisiting this time period. We are. 
So some like notable debate moments in those years, the 1980 debate between Carter and Reagan is notable for being the debate that birthed the phrase, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Mm. Like we still hear that. That's still the thing that like every debate, it's like people use it and people use the phrase and fear the phrase. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? Because it's a referendum either on the current president or the administration. If that like, like if you if right. you're running against you know if you're a Repu- if we've if we have a Democratic opponent and you're a Republican trying to take away the you know trying to you know gain the presidency, then you can say like you know this administration are you better off now? Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because it's like why should you keep your job? Yeah. Yeah. Why should you keep As your opposed- job? Right. Right. Yeah. And at the heart, it's like really gets to the thing that like it puts it to the American people as well and makes it super personal. Like, how's your bank account? How are your kids? How's your health? House communism. Checking in. What's our status? How do you feel? Yeah. So this is from the Yahoo News article. Quote, the line landed in large part because most Americans were not, in fact, better off than they had been at the beginning of Carter's presidency. At home, economic growth was stagnant and runaway inflation was diluting American savings. The portmanteau stagflation of the t- of the time, to coin a word, describing that almost unprecedented situation became a household word. So people were really either hurting or just or feared hurt by the you know they were I mean they were afraid that the money they have was going to be worth less as the right. if they were elected Carter to another president another term as president yeah yeah yeah. Then there was the 1992 Bush-Clinton debate. So this is when Poppy Bush was uh, seated as president. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Bush did fairly well in his first term. In February of 1991, he had an 89% approval rating. Like, fuck. That's high. It's high. It was a different time. It was a different time. Different time. The knock on Bush, so this is coming from Yahoo News, the knock on Bush was that he was the son of a wealthy U.S. senator and that he was out of touch with the realities of everyday Americans. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Correct. 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 Yep. So Will Ron at Yahoo News says, quote, it was a golden opportunity in the debate for Bush to show that he could still connect with the little guy. Instead, oh, I know. Instead, when one woman in the audience asked how the ballooning national debt had affected the candidates personally, he impatiently looked at his watch. Hell yeah. Yeah. Don't wear a watch. No. Don't wear a watch. Don't look at it. Honey, this is over when it's over. You don't have another appointment. No, this is where you are right now. Have your secretary wear a watch. (laughs) Come on. Don't wear a watch. It's not your job to look at the time. No. They will cut you off. They will cut you off. Yeah. Hopefully. So Ron goes on to say, quote, confused by the question, he stumbled through his answer. Clinton, meanwhile, handled it smoothly with a clear, concise, and rather slick answer, explaining that he was not at all removed from people suffering through the bad economy. And while Clinton spoke, Bush was caught staring at his watch again. Oh. My yeah. God, do you does he have a train? Like what's going <laughs> on? Amtrak. But I just I have to make a phone call. Like <laughs> can we pause the debate? I gotta go take a leak. I just Jeez. like But you can clearly like whatever you think of Clinton, you know, Bill Clinton now and you know, like all of that, there is no it is 
you can't argue that he is a good speaker and a oh, good sure, yeah. debater. And I can just see him standing there just kind of effortlessly in his southern drawl, like really being like open and feeling honest and relatable and people yeah. found themselves yeah. in his personality as opposed to this guy who was like, all right, we got 20 minutes of this nonsense. I guess I'll yeah. just stand here. And also, look. isn't it crazy? Isn't it flipping insane that looking at your watch is considered un- unbelievable behavior? Yes. In a presidential debate, it it tanks Bush. Yep. The fa- I mean, not totally, but like it makes him lose this debate. Yep. Because he looked at his, his watch. watch twice. Yes. That is what tanks him. Yep. And we look at what's happening now. Yep. I I, I would it would it would be uh, it would be amazing yep. if if that if we were just dealing with somebody looking at their, their watch. watch. Yep. Impatiently. Yep. Like that's what the standard used to be. It was like you are so you are distracted and you are you are looking at the time yep. as opposed to like the insanity that we saw in the first presidential debate. We have fallen so far, my friends. We are quite literally laying on the floor and the sinkhole is opening opening up beneath us. Yes. Yeah. So this kind of like takes us through like the break of where there were no debates and then we started debating again. And then some just like key moments of when debate, because often the the conversation, even now, like after the first debate with Trump, like the moderators afterwards were like, what does this do for him? And like, you know, right. after the vice presidential debate, it was like, not necessarily who won, but like, what does it do for either side? Like, there's a real right. lack of clarity about what these debates actually do. Will it impact the race? Will it impact basically. the race? Yes. And there, but there are some clear moments in debates where it's like, maybe the overall debate didn't change things, but like this particular moment really stands mm-hmm. out. And that's what gets carried over sometimes for decades as in the case of like are you better off now than four years ago but in the period where we where we weren't necessarily having debates or or we were having debates but it was like very stressful and the campaigns were like negotiating among themselves Mm -hmm. it led to this experience in 1984 that uh really pushed the commission on presidential debates to come to fruition so this is coming from the commission And the 1984 experience in particular reinforced a mounting concern that in any given election, voters could be deprived of the opportunity to observe a debate among the leading candidates for president. Yeah. So, like, this this commission on presidential debates was born out of the idea that, like, we should be able to hear what these two people think on policy. We should be able to understand the differences between them and that voters should be given that opportunity before they go to the polls. Right. Because, like, you know, it, it is a unique chance where, yes, the there are questions that are posed to them in a certain way, but, like, ultimately they're speaking for, now. in our case now, I think it's 90 minutes, and it's not, like, what they're saying in that moment is not being altered or, or colored in any media lens. I mean, it happens afterwards for yeah. sure. But when you're watching, you're literally watching in real time two candidates talk about similar issues and yep. where they stand. And there's no interruption. There's no like 
there's no spin on it. It's just you're finally for the first time because otherwise it's like it's giving it's it's interviews. It's you know, it's it's media stuff. Yeah. In this particular instance, it's like, you know, uh, what is your response on how the coronavirus recovery is going or what's your plan for COVID recovery? Yep. And then they have to say the plan. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to and you just watch how what they listen and how they answer it or don't answer it. And yep. most of the time and, you know, and it's like, OK, this is I don't know. We we don't get that kind of unfiltered. No. Um, type of of footage of them very no. often. No. So the Commission on Presidential Debates was born kind of out of the night, the dilemma of the 1984 presidential debates so now we're going to talk about like what the commission actually is what it does how it like decides things who the moderators are where the sites are like who gets to participate love yeah so what is the commission the commission on presidential debates is a private nonpartisan 501c3 organization as a 501c3 it is eligible under federal law to serve as a debate sponsor Okay, love. The commission's primary mission is to ensure for the benefit of the American electorate that general election debates are held every four years between and among the leading candidates for the offices of president and vice president of the United States. Clear mission. Clear mission. Clear mission. So the commission is an independent organization. It is not controlled by any political party or outside organization. It does not endorse, support, or oppose political candidates or parties. Sure. It receives no funding from the government or any political party, a political action committee, or candidate. The commission has sponsored general election presidential debates in every election since 1988. (laughs) Cute. Plans for 2020 debates are underway. Mm -hmm. And the CPD looks forward to bringing high-quality educational debates to the electric, the, the electorate, which I just found. I le- It's like Aww. a little – they clearly have not updated this website no. in the last seven What are they going to say? Days. Sorry? Like, wh- <laughs> well, first of all, they should take the debate that was supposed to be scheduled, like, next week off of their whatever. Right. But, like, it's so cute. They look forward to what bringing a, what high, a wishful dream. High quality educational debates to the electorate. Mm. Honey. Babe. Go throw up in the bathroom. You are drunk with You're what? drunk. You drunk. Like You drunk. Oh God. How could they have foreseen? Because quite honestly, I did not even foresee I, what that first debate was turned into. No. I, I anticipated it being frustrating but to watch it not even be at all productive yeah like to not have any moments of like okay this is how this is trump's stance on this this is biden's stance on that like no no moments of productivity were reached in that and everybody agrees like yeah it's crazy who could have foreseen that uh, no i i I mean we all saw the trump hillary debates and i think i just thought it was going to be like an elevated extension of that you know, yeah, but not, not this bullshit, not that. That was surreal. So the purpose of the commission, the Commission on Presidential Debates, was formed to ensure that the voting public has the opportunity to see the leading candidates debate during the general election. General election debates between and among the leading candidates for the office of President of the United States are not required or assured. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you don't have to participate. It just looks bad. 
Sure. Following the 1984 election, two distinguished national organizations, the Georgetown University Center for Strategic and International Studies and the Harvard University Institute of Politics, conducted separate, detailed studies of the presidential election process and the role of debates in that process. Both studies found that debates between or among the leading candidates should become a regular part of the way Americans elect their presidents. A primary concern cited in the studies was that the leading candidates had often declined to debate or resisted debates until the last minute. Sure. Yeah. So I love this. Not anymore, but, you know, because now it's become pretty regular. Yeah. No, except, except, you know. Well, now. But, sure. <laughs> uh, but like a long 30 year track record of like really hosting debates. And Correct. I I love that they like went out and did studies. They did the research. They did academic. They did the research. They did academic scientific studies of, and asked Americans like about their voting process and, and what they wanted. And they came back and they were like. You know, Americans want debates. Let's make let's make this a let's structure let's this thing. Let's take debates. let's take the power for these debates away from the campaigns. We will set up the structure. We will find the mm-hmm. moderators. We will find the sites. We will help determine the rules. Yeah. They can agree or not, but like let's yeah. take that power away from the from the yeah. campaigns. It is important to again emphasize that both candidates agree yeah. to the format. Yep. To the moderator. Yep. And to the rules. Yep. They literally agree to it. Yep. It's not a surprise. Nope. The only thing that surprises is the questions that are asked. Yep. But they agree to everything else yep. going into it. Yep. So. But with that said, so this came up a lot, I found when we were looking at the uh, the the Democrat, like who was going to be the Democratic nominee yep. and all the Democratic debates and yep. like. Were people going to qualify? Yes, and those for the debate. Yeah, and those are set by the party, right? Like all the t- whenever yes. Tom Perez was like, "You have to have this much money and this much in polling." That was all coming right. from the Democratic the National parties. Committee. Yeah, right. But now, when we're looking at like the actual debate, who's going to be on the the general election yeah. debate stage? We're used to it being two, but the the Commission for Presidential Debate has a 15% as polling threshold for inclusion. Yeah. So let's talk about why we landed on 15%. Because what a number it is. Yeah. So the Commission for Presidential Debates first adopted the 15% level of support criterion in 2000. This is coming from the CPD website. Yeah. It was the CPD's judgment that the 15% threshold best balanced the goal of being sufficiently inclusive to invite those candidates considered to be among the leading candidates without being so inclusive that invitations would extend to candidates with only scant public support, thereby jeopardizing the voter education purpose of the debates. So it's like we want to make sure that people with the legitimate shot. Yep have the ability to come on the stage and, and have the platform. Yeah. But we don't want... Is a Jill Stein. To be, we don't want a Jill Stein or or anybody else, really, who, like, yeah. actually isn't... Because then they're just going to draw attention away from the actual... Yeah. The, the, the leading candidates. Like, yeah. the one of the two or three people who's actually probably going to get this job. Yeah. Notably, the League of Women Voters struck the balance in the same way. 15% was the figure used in the League of Women Voters 1980 selection criteria 
which resulted in the inclusion of an independent candidate, John Anderson, in one of the league's debates. Okay, great. Love. So it's it's a number that has it's a number that has some history. Has history. Has some history. And so that's how we've gotten to the 15%. Let's talk about very, very important how the debate moderators are chosen. Yeah. Because obviously that's come into play a lot as well, our, uh, our response on how the moderators are doing. So the moderators are selected by the Commission of Presidential Debates several weeks before the debates. I remember, yeah, this came out, I feel like in May or over the summer, who was going to be in the debates? Like it came out a while ago, I feel like, who the moderators were. Who the moderators were? Yeah. The Commission for Presidential Debates uses three criteria to select its moderators. Number one, familiarity with the candidates and the major issues of the presidential campaign. Number two, extensive experience in live television broadcast news. And number three, an understanding that the the debate should focus maximum time and attention on the candidates and their views. I mean, yeah, sure. sure. On paper, everybody's been (laughs) Yeah, on paper, it sounds great. Chris Wallace, I think, definitely hits all those marks. Oh, sure. And has has done a debate before. He's moderated a debate before. Yes. The moderators alone select the questions to be asked, which are not known to the Commission of Presidential Debates or to the candidates. So that's like when they're both when they were like, I have selected the question. And I, nobody has seen these but me, blah, blah, blah. Literally only the moderator knows going into it. Yep. They do not meet with the campaigns, nor do the campaigns have a role in the moderator selection. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Starting in 1996, with a single exception, the Commission on Presidential Debates has used a single moderator for all of its debates in order to keep the focus on the candidates and their positions. The one exception was the second presidential debate in 2016, which was co-anchored by Martha Raddatz of ABC News and Anderson Cooper of CNN. I wonder why they did that. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Unless it was... I don't yeah. think they need to moderate. You know, it's like... No. I mean, maybe maybe we needed two moderators in the last presidential debate. I don't know if that would have helped. I don't know that it would have helped. I think you would have just had more people talking over each other. Right. Right. Yeah. And so finally, let's talk about how the sites and dates for the debates are selected. The Commission for Presidential Debates chooses sites for the debates by accepting bids from interested sites. Over the years, the commission has held all but three of its debates on college and university campuses. This has allowed students to participate in the production process and has prompted many of them to become involved in election-related projects. Sites that are interested in hosting debates submit proposals to the commission in response to formal site selection guidelines that are posted approximately two years before the debates. Yeah. That's a long time. It's a long time. A lot of planning goes into this. There's a lot that goes into it. There's like, you know, it's not just like, let's show up at, you know... Case Western and, you know, yeah, talk about climate change. There's a lot that goes right. into it. Yeah. But I also feel like I do feel like the sites that get chosen, it seems to me, have been also like, I feel like geographics, uh, geography plays a part in it. And like, yeah. it makes sense to me that we we have these things in the Midwest, you know, like, which it, 
in this time around, because the Midwest played such a key part in Trump winning the election right last time because it was like the forgotten part of america and so now you're like the conventions being held there well i mean not the republican one but the democratic one originally supposed to be held there yep and the debates being held there it's like yeah i also feel like that plays a part into it totally yeah it's not like they're having them at like you know uc berkeley (laughs) right right but uh but that is yeah that's our episode that's yeah on presidential, <laughs> um, presidential debates. And it's, uh, I don't know if we'll have any more this year, but, the, but who knows? We'll see. <laughs> the one for October 15th is, uh, in case you haven't heard, canceled. canceled. So we offer you this ep- this uh, episode as, uh, you know, a consolation prize. As a consolation. <laughs> that's so that's so smart. Yeah. This is perfect. This I, is coming out then. It was Since fun. we don't have a debate, let's talk about the debates. Let's talk about the debates. And then yeah. hopefully we'll have the next one because I feel like we're all due for, you know, some some hopefully, you know, well-worded, policy-oriented debate discussion. The next one is scheduled for uh, October 22nd. And uh, who knows? Hopefully, uh, yeah, that'll happen. We'll see. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. It's supposed to be held at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Yep. Nashville. Love that. Yeah. 90 minutes. So we'll see. Hopefully that will go on. We will keep you posted for sure. And I'm sure all of the news organizations will as well. It's interesting when something happens in the election, because I don't know about you, but it's like my phone just explodes. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Y'all need to coordinate your election. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, Just give me one person, one person tell me the the news, and then I will seek the others out. Yep. No, it's a lot. It's a lot. But we will keep you posted. And as always, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Goodbye.